welcome to Beer Me. I am your host, Sarah Jane. Every episode, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world, from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So I'm very excited to announce that next week, the National Museum of American History in collaboration with the National Museum of the Latino, is having a fantastic evening on Friday, October 14th. This will conclude the Smithsonian Food History Weekend. This is their last call, an annual beer history program hosted by the American Brewing History Initiative. This year's event, Salud to American Latinos in Beer, will explore the past, present, and future of American Latinos in the brewing industry in celebration of the recently opened Molina Family Latino Gallery at the American History Museum. So I am very excited to have on the show Carmen Favela. She is the founder, owner, CEO of Mujeres Brew House in San Diego, California. Uh, she will be one of the panelists during last call. So Carmen, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. It's definitely an honor and uh, there's so much uh, happening. So I'm excited to share all of that with you today. So you will be, you're calling in now from San Diego, but you will be in D.C. at the Smithsonian on the night of the 14th. And I've, I've been to the Last Call event before. It's really, really cool. The American Brewing History Initiative usually brings out some really cool artifacts for people to see. There's a panel discussion, and in the past, brewers who are participating in the panel have brought in beers that are otherwise a little bit more challenging to get in the D.C. area, correct? Yes, yes, definitely. We're bringing two beers, and super excited about those. Nice. So what is the discussion? I mean, I don't obviously don't want to give away the whole discussion, but what are, what are some touch points that you're hoping to cover during the panel? Well, mainly, you know, I think really just talking about our culture, celebrating Latinos in craft beer. There's not a lot of us, so it's nice to be able to share that experience with the guest and um, and also just expose them to different beer styles that really connect with uh, my palate and my childhood. So that's a little bit about what I hope to uh, be able to do uh, during this event. Nice. And something that, I mean, we'll get into kind of your whirlwind brewery story here, but the beers that you're bringing and the beers that you focus on at your brew house in San Diego, you are definitely drawing from ingredients that are typically found within Latino cuisines, but, you know, definitely kind of playing with flavors and embracing new and exciting combinations. Can you give the listeners a couple of examples that you're really proud of? Yes, absolutely. One of my favorites is going to be our Ola Orange Goza. And that's pretty much just, uh, you know, it's got fresh orange juice, I guess you could say, a little bit of salt. 
And growing up as a snack, um, you know, we would grab oranges, slice them up in half and put a salty plum in there. Sometimes it was salty. Sometimes it was a spicy plum, which is called a saladito. That was my favorite, favorite snack. Whether if it was an orange or half a lemon, that's <laughs> that was my go to. And so to be able to make a beer that kind of reflects that memory. And it's not just for me, but it's for it's for all, you know, a lot of Latinos is super, super exciting. Uh, Samantha Olson, our uh, head brewer, she, you know, it was a little tricky for her to uh, bring that recipe together, but she did an amazing job. So I'm excited to share that one. We also have another one that's uh, called our La Jefita. That's a uh, Tamarindo uh, Hefenweizen. We put about, I can't remember how many buckets of fresh Tamarindo pulp in there and yeah that's that's another beer that i'm uh, super excited about and these are, are two of the beers that we keep on our menu at all times and it's just you know it's of course it's not your west coast ipa it's not your hazy ipa but it's one that just really celebrates our culture and you know and we keep uh experimenting and playing with different uh ingredients but these two here are uh, definitely my favorite no, they sound absolutely amazing. And basically anything with tamarind flavors, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in for. Um. And, you know, tamarind is, a, it can be a subtle flavor or it can be a very strong flavor. So just kind of like when you have agua de tamarindo anywhere, mm -hmm. either at a Mexican restaurant or in Mexico, it's always going to be different. You know, you have some that are very, very strong and then you have some that are just find the right balance. So, and I think that goes with uh, making beer as well. It's like you have to find that balance, you know, of how much fruit or, you know, flavors you put into a beer where it's not too much, but it's enough for you to, you know, enjoy drinking it, you know, by the pine. So it's, it's definitely a lot of science involved, but it's fun. It's definitely fun exploring that and adjusting the recipe as needed to, uh, to get there. No, I mean, I'm thoroughly obsessed with the little tamarind candies that are covered in the spicy chili. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> if that's I amazing. See, if, I see the, if I see those anywhere, that's like I can't control myself, really. <laughs> and we have those in stock at all times because whether oh, if you're nice. having a tamarindo, you know, beer or not, our customers love having a tamarindo stick with their, their beer, regardless of which beer it is. So we, we have those fully stocked at our room. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is, this is further reason that I need to come visit. Yeah. Um, so because you have these flavors, I mean, I love the fact that you mentioned that nostalgic aspect. Are you noticing that you are able to branch into your community and kind of get people excited about beer that would otherwise maybe not be as excited about beer or, or maybe there's that, you know, that main demographic that most breweries go after, or, you know, you look around a brewery and you kind of see that. And are you noticing that more and more people are getting excited because they have flavors that are nostalgic and familiar and kind of help like give that little gateway push into, into the beer world? Definitely. We have a lot of female customers that obviously come to the brew house and a lot of the times, just like myself, I'm not uh, an IPA drinker myself or mm -hmm. a hazy or a double. <laughs> now, it's not to say that there are some out there that are not very hoppy and those I enjoy. You know, and that goes for our customers that come in, the women that come in, they are not looking for a hoppy beer, especially if they're 
you know, new to the craft beer scene, their palate is just not ready for something very hoppy. So the beers that we offer, you know, that are a little more fruit forward is definitely uh, an option. And once they try them, they're like, wow, I didn't know beer could taste like this. Because most people, when they think of craft beer, they do think of, you know, an IPA or a very, uh, you know, hoppy uh, type of uh, beer. And Mm -hmm. so being able to make beers that are, you know, their specialty, I guess, in their own way and non-traditional in some ways as well, but also traditional for us with the Mexican palate and Mexican ingredients that we grew up with. And just kind of bringing those flavors together, both worlds together, really uh, creates a space for women and other customers that otherwise would not drink craft beer. Yeah. And I feel like when you're, when you have a lot of these flavors, especially incorporating that kind of like salty and fruit aspect, you can kind of bridge it from familiar beverages, you know, like, Hey, what do you typically drink? Oh, I love a margarita or, Oh, Hey, I'm typically, you know, a gin and tonic person that helps kind of branch that yes, definitely. gap a little bit too. Mm-hmm. We also make a beer cocktails, and that's something that has been just really, really popular for our customers. Uh, we actually do make a beer Rita, <laughs> so we make a we we made a very strong imperial blonde simply to be able to make like a good margarita style beer cocktail. And um, and that's, I think, at 12%. And our oh. customers absolutely love it. And of course, we, you know, we serve it in almost like a cocktail size uh, cup. But they, again, that's an option for uh, customers that come, they want to support the project, but they're not necessarily uh, beer drinkers. And mm-hmm. so when they try this uh, beer cocktail, they are just like, oh my gosh, you know, this is great. <laughs> so that makes me really happy that we've been able to uh, create, you know, cocktails and beverages with different flavors to accommodate uh, different palates, along with our micheladas. Micheladas, I'm not sure if you're familiar with those, but our customers, that's like, that's like their favorite. <laughs> so tell the listeners, I'm, I am familiar with micheladas, but tell our listeners, you're, you're starting with, you know, kind of a very crisp lager and then you're adding, do you do the, the clam and everything or just the tomato juice? Actually, we don't use a lager for our micheladas. We do use a blonde ale and then we use a sour. So right now we currently have our mango Berliner Weiss. And so we make a mango michelada. But basically the way we prepare them is we fully prepare them. So in some places you'll go and they'll just maybe simply add a splash of um, michelada mix, which can be tomato base. It can have clam in it. It all varies. And in our case, um, we prepare it. So you get your chamoy rim with the chili powder on the rim of the glass and then you get ice in there you get the mix and uh, we use I love michelada mix which is a um, a well-known mix in San Diego and California I guess you could say Mm -hmm. and it's made by a Oaxacan family and so it's very flavorful and it just has the right balance in my opinion out of all the different michelada mixes that I've tried (laughs) (laughs) and so we add a splash of that we add fresh lime juice to it and then Mm -hmm. we top it off with the beer And so that's our fully prepared michelada and our customers just, uh, they absolutely love it. And, you know, being that we're close to, you know, Baja, it's like a lot of our customers, they're, they're Latinos. I mean, they really are. And so when you go to Mexico, I mean, a michelada is like, it's a big deal. And micheladas are served in a minimum size of a 32 ounce cup in Mexico. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. They do not they do not mess around. No. So uh, we have a lot of fun with that. And again, you know, we're exploring different things. And my family's from Sinaloa. And in that part of Mexico, it's on the coast. And mm-hmm. we eat seafood and we eat michel- and we have micheladas. So that's our like, that's my palate. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned that you do have a lot of female customers. I want to back up a little for our listeners and kind of talk about how Mujeres Brewhouse got its start. So you didn't actually set out as a brewery at first. This was more of an educational beer club, correct? Yeah, so my husband owns Border X Brewing and the family. So I started helping out with uh, marketing and different things. And little by little, um, you know, I noticed that our customers, we had a lot of female customers. And that's also simply because Border X makes uh, beers that are, you know, Latino flavored. Um, They make uh, Abuelita Chocolate Stout. They make a Jamaica Saison. They make an Archata Golden Stout and a cucumber Berliner wise. And so again, these are all flavors that um, match with our uh, Latino culture and our demographics. And it's a way for women that typically don't drink craft beer to also be able to drink something that is not, you know, very hoppy. And so with that being said, I wanted to do something that was going to honor the customers that were coming to Border X Brewing and educate them and empower them. And so it started off with just an idea. It was Women's Month and I wanted to do something to honor women. And that's pretty much what came to mind. I said, well, why don't we start maybe a brew club as an educational series? We start with the history of craft beer all the way to making a beer together. And so it was a six month series and... We launched it, didn't know what to expect, didn't know how people were going to respond to it. And the response, I mean, for our first session was absolutely amazing. We had over 50 women show up for our first class. And um, yeah, and that was really the beginning of, of where we are today. And it's been absolutely beautiful to see all of these women come together that were drinking crap beer or weren't. And coming to a space where you know, they were being empowered and educated and they're able to go to any other brewery and not feel, uh, what's the right word? Uh, Not feel uh, overwhelmed or not sure, you know? And so, and so that's- You kind of gave them, gave them a confidence boost. Yeah. And just knowing some basics about craft beer that I didn't even know. And so just small things that now a lot of these women of color, Latinas, can go to some of these breweries that are, you know, they're not really, uh, they're not really, what's the right word? (laughs) They're not really made for Latinos, you know, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Or women for that matter. And so to be able to empower women and for them to go to any brewery in San Diego or anywhere for that matter, and just have that confidence of, you know, what to ask, what questions and things like that. um, That's really uh, what the goal was uh, with the project and I'd have to say that I'm living up to it (laughs) it's happening we're doing it and that's pretty much uh you know then the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. and um, one conversation led to another there was a vacant brewery in San Diego that was very small small enough to be a clubhouse basically (laughs) and it has a brew system a small brew system it's a uh, a five barrel five barrel brew house and then I guess a 10 barrel fermenters and so here we are. Year and a half later, we have our own brew house now. Uh, we're able to, you know, 
further the education for women that mm-hmm. want to learn about craft beer. And actually, the women behind the bar are from the club. So uh, so oh, we've been wow. able to create some jobs and training. And some of them have gone on to work at other bigger breweries. And so it's been uh, really, really just beautiful to see. That sounds incredibly magical. Like, <laughs> I just... <laughs> I'm picturing this like wonderful, like female utopian, like beer, beer nirvana here. Um, (laughs) I was also reading that the women that work for you are also able to learn, like if they're excited about it, they can also learn how to brew and, you know, get behind the scenes a little bit and, you know, go into a space that's usually pretty intimidating for women. Oh, absolutely. Right now, as a matter of fact, I just came back from the brew house and Brenda, uh, one of our beer tenders, she's there today. Our uh, Samantha's out because she had knee surgery. So she's there today checking everything, washing kegs. And it's just beautiful to see wh- how far along uh, even Brenda has come. I mean, from just being a guest at the, uh, or being a customer, then mm-hmm. being a guest at the brew club. And now, you know, working in the back in the brew house. I mean, I'm just like, I am so, it just makes me so happy and just so proud to see her flourish and, and the rest of the girls as well. That's absolutely amazing. And I mean, it's so true that education brings so much confidence. And, you know, I even found that in my own beer journey, you know, as I gained more and more education, more and more spaces became so much less intimidating. And, you know, I was able to go into the most, without offending anybody, brotastic, you know, brewing (laughs) brewing environments. Definitely. And, you know, in the back of my mind saying like, this is nothing because I know more than them, you know, (laughs) Um, you know, it's not, it's not typically the most welcoming of industries sometimes. I mean, I I think it is getting better, but uh, that's fantastic that education is definitely the cornerstone of, of, of building that confidence. So Definitely. And I think that this project started at a very good time. It was, I think, in the middle of just a movement in the craft beer industry in general for more diversity and uh, for women. Um, And, you know, now that I've started this project, I've gotten more involved in the last few years. um, I didn't realize that there is actually a good amount of women working in breweries, you know, that no one talks about. (laughs) So I was like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea, you know. And so it's just beautiful to see that and to give them, you know, um, to be able to talk about them and for them to come and empower other women that maybe they weren't doing that before. The Pink Boots Society obviously is a, is a, is a great organization and a lot of the women uh, from that have come to our uh, meetings and to empower uh, the women that are not in the craft beer industry. So it's been a very beautiful uh, mix of the two. And along with the craft beer industry, I think the craft beer industry has also recognized the project and what we've been doing and really opening up their doors and coming and speaking. And that's really important because now, you know, these 50 women, you know, feel invited to go to these breweries that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. And so it's been a really, I think it's just been an overall positive project for San Diego, for the community and for these women. And um, I'm really, really proud. That's amazing. And I also think, you know, as the beer world continues to expand and make more space, you know, we definitely want to see more diverse representation 
for, you know, the LGBTQ plus community and people of color. And I, I think, you know, the more viewpoints, the more backgrounds, the more we get in the space, the better that the entire community is going to be. And I feel, you know, this is this is just, you know, one small example of, I mean, think of the people that have never even heard of Tamarin before and <laughs> how much better their lives will be because of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think even just a michelada, you know, I think yeah. I, I saw somebody this weekend in there and they said, that is one of the best micheladas I've had, you know, and it's, <laughs> and it's just, um, you know, it's just a, a attention to detail. Uh, of course, it's not easy making some of these beer cocktails and it is a process mm-hmm. for the staff behind the bar. But at the end of the day, you know, it's the customer experience that we're uh, focusing on and we're focusing on on some of the things that I enjoy. So um, I'll have to admit a michelada is probably one of my favorite items on the menu as well. And so you best believe that we're going to make it the best as well (laughs) (laughs) and take those extra steps that, um, you know, most breweries and honestly, I think just for logistics, I mean, having those all those items behind the bar, you know, it is a little bit tricky. So not every uh, brewery can um, facilitate that. But um, we do make it make it a point that um, to to follow that process and give the customer that experience that they would get in Mexico. Do you offer food or I just I feel like so many of your as I was going through so many of your beers, they're just begging to be paired with food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do. Uh, we do have a um, a pop up uh, mm-hmm. a kitchen. So we have a taco bar. So we have pretty much um, you know carne asada, pastor, uh, fish tacos, shrimp tacos. We have uh, nachos, carne asada fries. We have carne asada pizza. Oh <laughs> so we've got a we've got some really yummy uh, things on the menu. And uh, so yeah, so the customers can come. They can enjoy beer. They can have a meal. And, um, and and have a really good experience. Well, while you are in Washington, D.C., and I preface this having, you know, had amazing food in San Diego, but when you are in Washington, D.C., we do have amazing uh, pupusas here, so... At some point, you have to. Ooh, you yeah. have to. You have to try that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like tacos here, okay. We don't have you know the avocados that you'd want or the tortillas. The tortillas here just aren't the same. But okay, but, so you said it yourself. All right, I guess. I'm but the pupusas do have really good pupusas. Really, that's amazing. Okay, that's good to know because I was kind of curious. I was doing some research because I am a foodie, and I go, hmm, I wonder where, where I'm gonna, you know, what I'm gonna explore in Washington and so uh, you know so it'll it'll be fun. I will say one of the best places in Washington DC that has really amazing tacos is either uh Espita Mezcaleria or Las Camales. They actually ship the corn from a specific place in Oaxaca and like grind it fresh and like it's it's actually wow. perf- like their tortillas are perfection. But yeah, mm. I feel like I feel like I've just done like a little ad for for these restaurants now. <laughs> we've gone like hey, well, we've it's good gone- to know. It's good to know because there's three Latinas coming over and we want some good food. <laughs> no, I've gone I've gone fully off topic now. But you got me all excited about you know uh, delicious <laughs> delicious food, so I can't help yeah. myself. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to come on the show. I know between um, the brew house and everything, you are very, very busy. So I really do appreciate it. 
Definitely. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate you uh, having me on. And yeah, we can't wait to, uh, it'll be me. It'll be uh, two of the girls from the, uh, from the team. Uh, and we'll be going up there and uh, super, super excited to explore Washington and, uh, and visit the Smithsonian. I, I can't say that I ever even planned <laughs> or imagined going to the Smithsonian or Washington, D.C. I mean, it's one of those things where you, it crosses your mind, yeah. you think about it, but when it's when you're invited i mean it's um and i and i don't like to fly so i'm having i'm struggling with this but i said this is really important (laughs) i will i will uh you know put my big girl (laughs) pants on and like let's do this so uh but the team is excited and um Mm -hmm. and our customers are really excited so uh we look forward to uh to showcasing our beers uh next week well what is it in two weeks so yeah it's about two weeks i think (laughs) yep it'll be um friday october 14th um again listeners there are still tickets available uh through the smithsonian food history weekend it is always an exceptionally executed event it is really cool to be in the museum space especially after hours and they do break out some really fun artifacts there's always great beer and the panel is always always really stimulating and exciting so definitely uh pick up a ticket while you still can And uh, thank you again, Carmen. So this has been another episode of Beer Me. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach out at Beer Me Radio on Instagram or beermeradio at gmail.com. We are available anywhere you get podcasts. Please like, subscribe, give all the stars, leave all the comments, and we will catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.